Please pay attention to the following announcements. Galactic regulations require that we advise you that Three Sheets to the Mouse is an adult-themed podcast and may contain content and language not designed for younger Padawan learners. Thank you for listening to Three Sheets to the Mouse, and have a wonderful flight. Sorted, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And Three Sheets of the Mouse is a podcast with five guys who just love Disney. So here we have Adam, Tim, Jason, Mikey, and myself, Scott. I'm an attorney here in New Jersey. I've been a Disney fan since I was six months old when I grew up at Disneyland. My first Walt Disney World trip was in May of 2000 uh, during the Millennium Celebration. I really loved uh, all the Millennium Celebration. I loved the Tapestry of Nations Parade, the Epcot uh, whole festival that was the Millennium uh, Village. Uh, I, I just thought it was a great way to, to have a first time visit there. So let's, uh, let's take it over to Adam. Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been going to Disney since late 70s, believe it or not. My first memory of that vacation was actually my sister getting chased around by Captain Hook and me laughing hysterically while she's trying to hide behind my parents. Kind of locked in my love for Disney right there as well. I've been going ever since, and I guess I'll pass it off to my other half, Tim. Tim, take it away. I'm I'm Tim. Um, As Adam said, I'm his other half. I've my first time with Disney was in 1987, and I didn't go back until I was an adult. And we've been going regularly at least every other year since then. We recently became DVC members uh, in 2015, right? Yes. 2015. And uh, we just love it. All right, let's hear from Jason. Jason, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Let's see, I'm the proverbial Disney convert. I did not want to go to Disney. I had no intention of going to Disney. My wife wanted to go, and she planned an amazing trip. And from the nostalgic side of Disney to uh, experience a small world with your with your children, um, my love for Disney has uh, grown to a point where it's not really an obsession, but it definitely is a daily a daily thought around the household. Thanks, Jason. Mikey. Now, last but not least, but let's hear a little bit about you. All right. As the uh, lone ginger in the group, I'm used to being picked last for, you know, dodgeball and gym class here. Um, I've got uh, three boys. I'm married. We've only made the trip to Disney once. It was back in 2014, but it was everything we could have hoped it could be. Uh, everybody had a great time. We loved the food. We loved the fun. We loved the atmosphere. And if I could give all these listeners one tip, it's when you drop to a knee to present your significant other with a wedding ring in front of Cinderella Castle before the photo pass photographer, don't drop the damn thing on the ground. <laughs> uh, that, that is actually great advice, uh, especially if it's dark. So, a little bit about the show. We're going to talk to you kind of an adult way about Disney. We are, uh, we are five guys who love, uh, love Disney, but also love doing it as adults. We, uh, we recognize that Disney is not just for kids. So, 
Uh, as you've already heard, this may be an adult-themed podcast and may not be li- uh, suitable for all listeners, but we certainly invite you to, uh, to listen along and, and, and see, uh, see if maybe you'll connect to us. As an attorney, one of, the, one of the things that we do to get ready to pass the bar is a class called Bar Review. So, as a, as a reoccurring segment here on Three Sheets to the Mouse, uh, we'd like to take you into a little bit of Bar Review. We're going to take a tour throughout the lounges across the world. We're going to see what's on tap, what's, uh, what's to drink, and what's to eat there. And hopefully, maybe, maybe you'll take a look at it, and maybe, uh, maybe you'll find your way over there, and, and uh, certainly let us know. Uh, so this this week's bar review, this this bar review, we're gonna take a look at the Tambu Lounge. Uh, guys, who's who's been to the Tambu Lounge? We yeah. have. Tim and I have. What, uh, what what was your, what was your thoughts about it? Uh, it, it's crowded, and there's a lot of kids. It's not what I would personally consider a lounge. It's it. It's a lot of chaos at all times. It's right next to one of the most popular restaurants on property, Ohana's, and that makes it very crazy a lot of the times. I mean, it's good around breakfast, good around lunchtime, dinner. You're not going to get a seat. You're not going to get a table. You'll be lucky if you get a spot at the bar. So this is at the the uh, Polynesian. That's correct. So the Tambu Lounge is located on the second floor of the Polynesian Village Resort. Uh, it is a smaller lounge. I think there's only about 40, 45 seats around the bar area. Um, now, there is supposed to be an extended seating area that fronts the, the windows that look out into the volcano pool. However, as Adam mentioned, those are frequently filled with people waiting for Ohana reservations. Uh, since Ohana doesn't have a designated waiting room, you often see families, children, everybody crowding around that area waiting for their reservations. Um, but the Tambu Lounge, despite its small size, despite its uh, crowded atmosphere, does have some amazing drinks at the at the bar. Now, apart from the standard drinks, um, they have the Polynesian and tropical drinks that are that are really, really good. Uh, there's the let's see, they have the back scratcher. Uh, the Island Sunset, uh, the Tropical Macaw, but the most famous drink on at the Tambu Lounge and probably on property is the Lapu Lapu. Um, now, Jason and Mikey, have you ever been here? I've been. Uh... Oh yes, absolutely. Now I'm that I'm that guy, and I might get even a step on you, but I'm that guy that orders the Lapu Lapu and sits down while we're waiting for our Ohana. So we pack that little corner where. <laughs> Tim and Adam are sitting there cussing at us, and I'm like holding my pineapple, going, "Tough shit, man. You see, Wait your not, turn, like everybody you're else." Not the person I'm cursing. So abs- the person I'm cussing at has about 12 people who don't have a drink. You have a drink, you're good to go. It's just the oh, yeah, mob of family that's just gonna yeah. sit there and say, "Oh, don't go wait or sit." So I'm just gonna take up this space. Well, you know what? Well, it's not, you know, the mob, too, though, is especially on a hot day, you get in, in, in first-time Disney years where they're pounding pavement, so they look like they've been through a war zone, and they're just sitting there, and their kids are crawled up on the couch sleeping, and everybody is sunburnt, and they just look like they walked right out of a... <laughs> 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 and I'm here with my big old pineapple drink, and... and, and I'm on an empty stomach, so I'm a little more sociable while I'm drinking because everybody's going to be my friend after you drink that. 
and uh, they, they just don't want no part of it. So it does take away from the bar scene. It takes away from that. Um, it's a lounge. It takes away from that loungy atmosphere when you have um, the, the worn out, oh my gosh, this, this is killing me, family sitting here in the corner. So no, I didn't no. mean to sidebar you there, Scott. But anyways, Mikey. No, and hey, I, and I like I said, the ginger here. I'm sorry, Mikey. Um, Go ahead. I don't, I don't, I've been by it. You know, we, uh, <laughs> we got there and it was like day one of us arriving on property. We went to eat at uh, Chef Mickey's on the Contemporary. And I was like, hey, let's try riding the monorail, you know, because you're sitting there for an hour and a half watching, you know, Goofy and Daffy and Mickey and everybody. And then you look up and like every 10 minutes, the monorail goes blasting by. So. Uh, we got on the monorail. First stop was the Poly, and I wanted to go to the Poly to see the, you know, the grounds and stuff like that, kind of to, to you know, I guess, re, you know, resort hop. But, you know, we got there. They had half of it blocked up for, uh, you know, renovations and stuff like that. Um, the Grog Grotto wasn't even, you know, built at that time. So uh, I, I walked past it only because I remember walking past Ohana's. I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar. But my next trip, uh, I'm definitely going to be making a stop there to try this. Uh, what is it you call it? Is it the Lapu Lapu? Yeah, the Lapu Lapu. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what, what goes into that? <laughs> all right. So it, it, all right, what they do is the bartender will come out and he'll bring out the pineapple. It's already pre-cored and they open up the bag and you can already smell the pineapple and it's amazing. And then the guy pours in two shots of Myers dark rum. Uh, and then they have uh, the tropical fruit juices, which is the standard pog mix. It's uh, papaya, orange, and guava juice. Uh, it's actually the same juice they serve at the Ohana breakfast in the morning. Uh, they'll use that to make the lapu lapus in the evening. So they're resourceful. Uh, and then they shake it up, serve it in the pineapple, and then toss a nice, generous portion of Gosling's 151 rum on top of it. And I kid you not, it is the most delicious drink you'll taste on property. And it's, you say it's, was I wrong? It's served in a pineapple? It's served in a pineapple. Fresh, fresh pineapple. Fresh do, you pineapple. Get a, do you get a straw? Yes, you do. Yes. And you get a yes. lid. thank God, because, I mean. <laughs> and, it, and you get a little umbrella. You do. Pineapples yeah. <laughs> aren't known for being a soft, cuddly fruit like the coconut, you know. It's a little hairy, but, you know, what? What man hasn't picked that out of his teeth once in a while? You know, you know, the, 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 the pineapple though. That's that's oh my gosh, that's some Fifty Shades of Grey business right there. Yeah, I, I can see that being a little yeah. prickly. I guess is the nicest way to no, put you, it. Uh, you get a straw. They, uh, they actually carve out a little hole in the top of the uh, in the top of the top of the pineapple. So you get a you get a nice straw that goes in there. Um, now, tip. Here's the tip here. You buy one. It's fourteen dollars because you got to buy the pineapple to start. The second one is nine fifty because you don't have to buy. Yeah, you don't have to buy the second pineapple. So always order two. Always order two. So it's like. Oh, I didn't know that. No, um, nobody can. We uh, try. I want to say the last time we had one. Yeah. Well, who the hell can so drink two of those things? Can't can't figured out how to avoid the damn core charge on a pineapple. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> so I'm the alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, we kind of figured that out already. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be leading if you weren't. No, it's, no, it's, 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 it's a yeah. really good drink. I, I enjoy it. But 
Now, I've, I've been here because my friends and I, um, I've got two friends that uh, live down in Orlando. They work there. That's kind of who got me back to Disney after a long hiatus of not going at all. Uh, I went down to go visit him and his wife, and we started this tradition of every time we come down there, we go to the Lapu-Lapu, or we go to the Tambu Lounge to get a Lapu-Lapu, and it's a tradition that we've always had, and we'll, we're going to keep doing it. Um, I've never had any of the food there, but the menu looks amazing. So one, you can get the bread pudding from Ohana. Everybody loves that. Um, served with vanilla ice cream. And then it's got that banana caramel sauce that everybody loves. Uh, but they also have the same chicken wings, the honey coriander chicken wings that are from Ohana. Um, then they have like a crispy bread and dips uh, with uh, like hummus and baba ganoush and pesto. Uh, but the next two things look amazing the pork sliders everybody loves those from uh from food and wine they're uh mini sandwich mini pulled pork sliders with kona coffee barbecued pork topped with uh, a uh, coleslaw and then last the pulled pork nachos they're these heavy heavy chips that are hand cut topped with pork cheese pineapple salsa and spicy mayo they are killer they're killer we eat that at baseball games down here. I'm coming to your baseball games. I mean, it doesn't have the pineapple salsa, but um, <laughs> yeah, Woo Pig Suey, we have uh, pork, pulled pork nachos at like every particular sporting event. Maybe not so much the gymnastic meets, but you know, <laughs> definitely the uh, if if it involves uh, balls, um, we're we're doing pulled pork nachos. So. Um, so, Mikey, next time you go down, in uh, when, are you, when are you going down next? We're shooting for September, third week, I believe. Well, it'll be nice and hot, and there's nothing yep. better on a hot day than a cold drink out of a pineapple. Okay, Mikey, I'm going to throw this one in there, buddy. All right. When you go down there, does your wife drink? <laughs> uh, she, yes? Yeah, no? She enjoys <laughs> wines. Um, She's like, okay, I'll tell you what. Th those first two lapu-lapus are going to be on me. Because I know you're going to love them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, can I, can I bring my own pineapple? No, well, hang, hang on a second. Now, now, now. Save you a but few But the bucks. deal is, is you got to go ahead, and since you were going to buy one, you need to buy that second one for $9 and tell me how Fair you enough. feel after driving. <laughs> if I can uh, find my phone um, while I'm on the floor, I'll go ahead and uh, let it's, you know. You know, the fruit juice is kind of even out the rum. They really do. Nothing is gonna even out one five one. I don't know. Who, unless you're setting that thing on fire, man, maybe. But no. Now, for the last time we went there was right before we were headed to Mickey's Not So Scary. So we rolled up to Tambu Lounge, dressed in full costumes. We sit down and we order two of these things, and we're walking to the monorail and couldn't walk straight. No, hang on a second. Now, Tim, I need you to segue, buddy, because you guys had kick-ass costumes. Okay, thank you. Why don't you, why don't, yeah, go ahead and, and tell, tell us what you were. Well, I was, we, we, they're both steampunk-inspired. Mine was steampunk Scar from The Lion King. And then, Adam, you want to tell them what yours was? Mine was supposed to be a um, sort of like a take on BB-8, but we got the most compliments out of those costumes over anything. We they were pretty kick-ass. They were... They were badass, and there was a lot of thought that went into them, and, and I appreciated that because it was fun getting the text throughout the 
the the duration of it and look what I got in the mail and look at the painting that I did and and I mean it was it was badass watching everything come to fruition. I actually then, have uh, I'm the well, the hat was over there. it was on the bed but the hat's over there. And there was, those goggles were a lot of fun to make and it was it was so yeah. easy to do it. I would definitely be. Here's you, buddy. I'm glad you. They were very creative costumes. I love them, but not so scary. I think some of the some of the most fun, not so scary costumes to look at are the ones that you can tell were just put together at home. They weren't bought off the shelf. You know, you just uh, absolutely like my wife. She was uh, uh, the mom from. Uh, yep. Lost <laughs> the mom from uh, Roseanne. She was Mrs. Incredible. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> she, she she was the mom from The Incredibles, and she the Elastigirl, I guess, and she had uh, some tights and her underwear on the outside of it, and a shirt, and she you know got the eye on the front of it, and then my youngest son was Dash, and he had the whole thing set up, and that was cool. He had uh, me. I like totally ghetto. I spent like five dollars and made like a yellow polo shirt uh, look like you know an, uh, a wilderness explorer. Nice. Nice. You know, nice. so I wasn't necessarily Russell because I didn't have as many badges. <laughs> and then I made a little uh, a little collar for uh, my my ten year old at the time uh, with an LED light on it, and my wife crocheted a little hat that had dog ears on it. So he was he was our uh, our Doug. Nice. And then the the fourteen year old gave a shit less. <laughs> <laughs> as as they often do. So I. So, no, uh, apart from all the rest of the uh, the food and drinks, there they do have. So if you're not as adventurous, if you don't want to go the full, lots of rum and a pineapple, they do have a regular wine menu. They have um, they have lots of beers on taps. They actually take the uh, there's a there's a brewery called Kona Brewery that is um, really made its way to the states. We got it here about a year and a half ago, and they I think they have the longboard lager, and the fire rock on tap at the Polynesian at most of the most of the restaurants there if I'm not correct no it's a beer correct yeah it's a beer um, okay. they make yes. they make five or six yeah. different kinds of beers uh, the longboard lager is a pretty general you know general lager style beer uh, it's very good I like it in fact I'm gonna go open up one that's what we we, we pretty much default to Co now is great. Yeah, Cone is great. I, I don't. The, the only one I didn't really like was the lemongrass IPA. It was a little sweet. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I, I found a little, a little sweet. too sweet too. But, See, Adam, I'm with you. I, I, I like that sweet beer. Now this mm -hmm. skunk piss it, I'm drinking now. It's just a little now. bit different. <laughs> I just like. Beer. Either like them very dark or very light. It it has to be one or the other. It can't be just that. Coors Light taste to me. I, I don't enjoy it. It needs to have something interesting in it. And I don't care what anybody says. That thing needs to be just above freeze. Uh, these yes, beer people absolutely. that can drink that warmth, I just don't get it. And whatever, to each their own. But I, I can drink it. I, I can drink it. Yeah, I mean, my, like, if you were going to ask me what my favorite type of beer is, I'm going to tell you an open one. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I, I you can't go I've wrong with it. that. Yeah, I've had it on the back end of a pickup ice chest didn't have any ice in it in the middle of, you know, September. And I was like, oh, this is horrible, but it's uh, Look, beer. Mikey's invite to me was, come on down, trout fishing and beer. I mean, what, life doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better Damn than that. Damn right. Well, you, it doesn't because you take your six-pack off 
you take one off the rings and then you take your stringer, you're not going to keep the trout. You're just going to use the stringer to tie the damn five pack of beer to your hip on your waiter while you're nipple deep in cold water. So if you find yourself in the Polynesian, take a walk over to the second floor, Tambu Lounge. It's really great. Uh, we love the food there. We love the drinks there. And shoot us a message on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash group slash three sheets. That's number three sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S. Find us on there, friend us, like us, join the group, post. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see your pictures of you enjoying the, the giant pineapple with two shots of rum in it. Uh, and then let us know how many you had, because if you've had more than two, you're beating all these other four guys here. Not me. Right, I want three. you to, if you have more than two, I want you to personally tag <laughs> me in that picture. And I want the picture after you had two. <laughs> Better yet, we want video. You okay, can join. Yeah. Yes. You want a video. If you have two, you can join my two-time club. Not these guys. They're they're <laughs> they're lightweights. You know what, Jason? You're on. We're gonna we're gonna do. All right. You know what? Fuck this. I'm thinking three of these motherfuckers. Are <laughs> we're gonna do three, Scott. <laughs> I we, will we go in April. Shit. We're gonna do three. <laughs> so Adam, you uh, Adam, you were telling me the other day you were on the uh, Disney earnings call. You're a shareholder, right? Yes, I am a shareholder. I didn't make it on the call, but I did get the email with the whole packet. So we've got some breaking news out of uh, out of Burbank, I guess. Adam, <laughs> Adam, uh, what did, what did you uh, what did you find in that email? Well, a lot of it. It's attendance is actually down, but profit is actually up for the park. So that's saying that a lot of the things that people are complaining about the most are not going away anytime soon. They are making money on it. So, granted, they did take down the, um, what the, the, caban the cabanas. The freaking cabanas in Tomorrowland. But other than that, they're making money hand over fist still. So, And they just raised the ticket prices again. So they know what they're doing. It's a great business plan. Is it great for everybody? Obviously not. But you always have to remember Disney is a business first. Yeah, and, and look, uh, it, you know, we we're talking the adult side of Disney. We gotta we gotta talk about money. I mean, Disney's costing a lot of money these days because what they're trying to do, they're trying to find that supply demand balance of how many people we can pack into the park, make the most profit, but still keep it reasonable for enough families to go, uh, so that they have a balanced attendance. They don't want record-setting crowds every single day. They don't want to close down the park. They want to have that good experience so that you spend enough money to come there enjoy it but not hate it when you go back because nobody wants nobody wants to come back from vacation and said oh, i spent six hours in line and only got on two rides they yeah, don't but want I hear that. that i hear that all the time scott from people i get it yep. but this is this is why disney's doing what they do they're raising prices just enough to keep people from coming they they want to i i hate to say it they want to be a little more exclusive well, I don't even see it that far. What I what I'm looking at it more is it, it, it's it's a cash grab. Parts of this are you can't deny it, but on the other hand, you know it, it says something when I don't know if you know about like the closes and the phases that they didn't hit a phased close that late. I mean, they were still allowing people into the parks for a majority of the day during Christmas. Yeah. That never happens, and that's saying something. Attendance is pretty much down and. How much of that is what's going on in the world? I mean, Brazil, as much as we all hate them, is going through a whole bunch of shit with their economy right now, and the money's not there for them. And okay you know that. what? 
Also with these tickets. <laughs> no, so am I. Fuck yeah. No more fucking ole, ole, ole. But anyway. <laughs> um, you gotta... There, there has to be that proper balance, but at the same time, they still have to make their money, and they don't really care about the average person. As a shareholder, I want you to make money. Do what you have to do to make money. Do what you have to do to get these people coming so back. So essentially, this is Adam's fault. You are the shareholder here. Okay. Pretty yeah. much. All right, I'm just making oh, it, yeah. it, made it clear. I'll take blame for this. Yeah. It's no longer thanks, Shanghai. Yeah. It's go, thanks, Adam. <laughs> thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. That's right. <laughs> I will take all the blame. <laughs> Make me money. <laughs> and, and that kind of leads us to the second part of that, that shareholders call was uh, Disney is planning to buy out the remaining, I think it's up to, what are we, up to 14.5% of the Disney, yeah, give, give, it, or, give take, or take yeah. a few points, uh, of the Disneyland Paris Resort. Uh, right now, uh, well, pr- uh, prior to a week ago, uh, Disney owned 84% of the park and the resort, and the other uh, the other uh, 16% was controlled by uh, a Saudi conglomerate. Um, I thought the Saudi prince only owed 9%. He, well, the, the... Now he owns Yeah, now less. he owns less, because they, they bought back, uh, they bought back uh, 7% of that, and then the rest is privately held through other, okay. other parts. Right. And they're offering, I think, uh, I think I did the math, and it was just, just a little bit over $2 a share, and with only it was yeah, two pounds. no two, uh, two euros a share, which is like ends up being like right. two fifty a share, two dollars and fifty cents a share, and it's only going to cost them just just a little bit more than two million dollars to do this. Uh, we're not going to see any real ramifications at Disney yet from that buyout. Mm, I mean, they have to. Have they a do. Plan. And Disney doesn't do anything without a plan. Just because we don't know what it is yet doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't one. That's true. I mean, we know there's nighttime experiences coming for Walt Disney World. They're just being more closed-lipped on it because lately the company's getting beat up for announcing things too early and not having them presented. Rivers of what? So why announce it if it's not ready? Exactly. Keep it close to the chest, keep it inside, and you know what? Now we have a surprise for you when it's ready to go, when you're launching it right and away. That, and that primarily that comes from the, I, I guess it was the mid-2000s kind of business model that they had, was they built these things up over the time, and you know things would get leaked out. Things would say, oh, this is coming, this is coming. But they had a firm date for these things. They had real timelines for these. Now, with the age of Internet and Twitter, it's, it's a lot harder to keep those things unwrapped. And as they go along, I think you'll see, I think you will see last-minute announcements. Oh, you know, next week or next month, Wishes is gone. Well, I mean, they had to know, again, they knew this was coming. This is not a surprise to the company, but it was kept quiet enough I never not saw to it. create chaos. No, exactly. I, I, well, a new, a new nighttime show doesn't come overnight. It, it takes years to prepare you have to record the soundtrack uh you have to uh lay out the the fireworks show you have to lay out the computer generated images on the castle i mean this all takes time this is something that's probably been planning for a good year uh before they before they even announced it to close to start next week or next month or in may was it may may I mean, I don't know off the top of my head how long Wishes has been going on, but that show is super long in the tooth. I, I mean, something about it, 14 years. It's time years. for something new. 
Which has been on for 14 years. That refresh. No, absolutely not. You're, you're, you're right. And, and I mean, the logical side is, is there's nothing wrong with the refresh. But the nostalgic side of it is, is you know, um, fuck you, Disney, because this is what I remember and this is what I love. You know what I mean? And so you're, you're, you're balanced between that. You're kind of ripping my heart out, but yet you're giving me a new drug that I know I'm going to love. I just got to experience it. So I got to get over that, that initial shock of, um, like, well, you taking away my, my electrical parade. You, you know what I mean? That, that initial middle finger right to the air going, what are you doing? This is, <coughs> this is what I love. This is what I remember. And I'm only going down there a couple times a year, guys. So, anyways, there's my... No. My, my honest opinion is that the electrical parade will never truly go away. It's going to be somewhere, and it's always going to come back. And that, that's honestly how I feel. I'm, I'm real bitter about I, that. I, I don't see that going away. That parade has been around since I was going as a kid in the 70s. It's, it's not going away. I mean, I remember that parade from, like, being a little kid. So, there, there's no way that that parade is actually ever going to end. Well, growing up at Disneyland, that was the thing we... That was our good night. Because, you know, my, gram, my grandma lived 20 minutes from Disneyland. So, we would go there for the day. And as soon as the parade came through, as soon as the electrical parade came through, then that was our cue to, to head on out. Um, because we could sit on the rooftop and watch the fireworks. I mean, bro, what does this mean for Paris, though? What does everybody Well, think? I think... I, I think this is going to be a long-term plan. You're not going to see – first of all, they can't dump a ton of money into the park right away. You're going to see a Hollywood Studios-style uh, closure in, in probably either either park or both parks. You're going to see the Disney Paris Studios park. Um, you're going to see it – you're going to see it close down phase by phase, and they're going to open up probably a Star Wars lane there. Um they're they're likely going to be doing a lot of changes to that park, and it's going to cost money. And this is this is the part we want to talk about. It's going to cost money, and that money's got to come from somewhere. And unfortunately, it's going to right. come from Disney World. You're going to see after 2019, when when Hollywood Studios opens up, you're going to see a very sizable lull in construction uh, at Disney World. Well, I, I don't know about that because they already announced the Nep Epcot project and they're going to have to do something with Paris relatively mm. soon because the 20th or the 25th anniversary of the park is coming up. I don't remember which year it is. So they're going to have to do something soon for that Paris park rather than later. They can't just let that anniversary it's be, be a huge, huge anniversary for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's no it, is, it is. But at the same time, no, no dates were announced on that Epcot renovation. None whatsoever. And I think... They won't announce uh, them anymore. I don't think they're, they're going to well, see them anymore until it, they have it in fruition. I can't picture them. I mean, the whole bullshit with Guardians of the Galaxy, really? Did anybody really think that was going into the park no, at some point? No, it's, it's, I want to meet I mean, Groot. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck, everybody <laughs> wants to meet fuck Groot. That or just not in Epcot. I just I don't want to meet him in Epcot. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing with Iger, though, is you you got a CEO who is um, highly intelligent, very driven for the shareholders, and he understands that this is an entertainment business and we must provide entertainment or else we're going to lose money. So I, I don't want to say I have a lot of faith because uh, that would be blind and naive, but if I was a betting man, I would bet my money on Iger that he knows what he's doing. And he's got a and he's got a board around him that's not stupid either. Disney's gone in a direction that 
there's no way it would have went with that previous clown that was the CEO. What was his name? I don't Eisner. 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 I mean, this guy was a this guy was lost. I mean, he he did a lot of detrimental things to the company. So, um, I really think that um, as a shareholder, Adam, you should be excited for um, uh, which direction Disney is going. And you know, I mean, I remember Disney being at six, seven. What is Disney right now? Per uh, it's at it's over a hundred right now. I don't remember the exact last quote. See, and I remember when I got to the Marine Corps, it was down to $7 a share because a buddy of mine was dating a Disney, and I, we were talking about that. Um, I don't even think it was affiliated with the company. But anyways, my point is is, is um, I don't like the fact that it's getting pushed onto us, but um, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think I think Iger's got a plan, and it's going to be uh, – it's going to be something amazing over there in Disney because he's going to draw well, those crowds in. He's going to have see, to make a problem. Well, the or he's also got a problem here, though, is ESPN. Yeah, oh. If you want to look at it, if you want to look at the actual business aspect of it, and truly, you can't forget that Disney owns ESPN, and as a whole, the cable industry is dying. And ESPN, for a very long time, was Disney's primary moneymaker. It's losing share day after day football viewership was down this year and it was even stated in the freaking um annual report that it was and they're losing money they're losing advertising dollars on espn well now you wonder are you going to spin off espn as a separate entity and then that gets scary takeover talking and partnerships with apple which i read i mean there's a lot going on with this company right now that it, it's going to be an interesting interesting few years i will watch. say that Bob Iger has taken the Disney company into the 21st century. He is a phenomenal CEO. He's done great things with the entertainment. He hasn't put as much time and money into the parks as probably uh, – not nearly as much as Eisner did. Eisner loved the parks. Eisner renovated everything he could. He built how many hotels? Uh, I mean, we, thanks to him, we have almost all of the all-star hotels – uh, the Boardwalk, Yacht Beach Club, all those, all those fantastic hotels. Iger is a better CEO because he understands the entertainment aspect of it, and I think there is a timeline on the death of ESPN. Um, the money they spend on basketball, on football, and the viewership being in decline, it, it's going to hurt the company, and they have to, they have to choose a direction here. Do, do they keep it? Do they sell it off? Who knows? It's but it's in five, well, my my bet in five years it's not owned by Disney. That's my oh, guess. There's, there's a good chance it's going to be spun off into its own little entity, and somebody else is going to acquire it. It's either that or they have to go digital, and they have to go. They have to get that video on demand service actually worked out with ESPN that they still haven't done, and that's a key piece. I look at ESPN as like MySpace. Look at where MySpace is today. The guy bought it for a million bucks. You know what I mean? But it was huge in its time. ESPN is dying, and, and I agree. It's, yeah, um, it's a dying breed, and, and I, don't, I don't sit there and watch TV, but I do stream that shit over my phone. And when the other thing you have to take into account is Iger you know, is try to. on his way out as well. He is. So who yeah, knows who's going to uh, take his place? He is. Wait, wait, it's wait, just wait, a wait. time. He actually, wait, time out. He actually just gave an interview stating that he will stay on past his retirement date if he if it's best for the company he is quoted as saying that multiple times at this point so 
He might not be going away. There's no true succession plan for him. There was, right and that... The people that they had... Well, he stepped... He <laughs> yeah, left. There was. So he doesn't count anymore. That fell through very fast. Yes. So, I mean, he might not be going anywhere. He he made it... By the way, Adam, if they're uh, if they're planning on something big for D uh, Disney Paris' 25th anniversary, they better start real soon, because that comes up on April 12th of this year. <laughs> they have to do something. Uh, here's the thing. I've been... They'll get a fireworks show. <laughs> I've been there. Free crepes. I've been to Disney Paris. I... I uh, to quote to quote someone else, I've been to Disney Paris. Not sure I ever need to do it again. I. It's... Fair, fair enough. enough. You know, it's... Fair enough. And I've heard that more than one And, and again, Disney Paris's huge problem was they built a 300 room... Or 350 room resort which costs more than a four-star resort in Paris. If you're going to Paris, you're going to pay 100, 100 euros a night to stay in a really nice, uh, really nice hotel in the city, or are you going to spend 300 euros and go outside the city, you know, 45 minutes and not have any of the Parisian attractions? You're not going to have any of the romanticism of Paris. And that's the... the... See, but... You have to look at it this way. For an average family going, am I looking for the romance of Paris, really? No, I want that safe Disney brand. They've made it so that it's, it's more, more attractive. I mean, Adventures by Disney wouldn't exist if this wasn't a thing. I mean, when you look at the places Adventures by right. Disney goes to at this point... You're talking everywhere, and you're still staying within that Disney bubble, which everybody. But wants you're still Disney. staying at other. You're when you do those adventures by Disney, you're staying at other places, not just Disney hotels, and that and that's what I'm saying is you can have that Agreed. safe bubble in Paris at a nice hotel, spending a fraction of the cost that you would spend it at uh, the Disneyland Resort Hotel in Paris. But is it? No, Disney? it's not Disney. But they, but then again. That's then that's your. You've, got, you've got a train that takes you out there in forty minutes and brings you back, <clears throat> like clockwork. It's it's really easy to get to. You take a train out there in the morning. You spend the day out there. You come back at night and you're you're back in Paris by nine o'clock, ten o'clock, which is. How would your son deal with a forty-minute train ride? Uh, you give him an iPad and let him play uh, cars on there. He's okay with it. But but yeah. you know what I'm no, saying. No, I get it. it, it that's I get what it. I mean by that. You're, you're you're gonna get. You have to get that kid to buy in. It's not so much the adults. The adults are going to Paris whether Euro Disney's there or not. It it was the draw to try to get people with families. Yeah, and Paris. it was a it was a valid the, attempt. Just fell flat on its face. Very flat. And I think this is the best thing Disney can do at this point, even if they end up selling the property. Folks, on the, uh, one thing we like to talk about, and just uh, just bullshit with our when we're talking on the phone or when we're just chatting, how could we make the parks better? So we're going to sit in the armchair Imagineers spot, and we're going to take a, a part of the parks, and we're going to see what we can do to make it better. We're going to see how we can change it, gut it, rip it, whatever we want to do. We're going to make our own little take on what we would do if we were given the operating budget of wed, uh, of WDI. So this uh, this week we want to talk about the J the Japanese pavilion in Epcot. It's uh, it's long been a favorite of mine. I I think it's one of the more beautiful 
pavilions in Epcot. Uh, it's very underrated, very open, and and uh, very inviting. So, um, who uh, who here has been to the uh, to the Japanese pavilion? I have. I have. We have. Myself. Mikey. I- the uh, the ginger. No, he he didn't he didn't make the Epcot pavilion. There was nothing to draw me in. Well. Well, that's <laughs> that's why we're here. Yeah, I the Mitsukoshi department store. I didn't oh, even know that was itchy, buddy. Until I did some research for this particular. You know, oh, it's nice to look. I didn't. Uh, all, all I knew about the Japan Pavilion is you can get uh, sushi with a snack credit and um, fucking bonsai. I don't know. You can. So the the uh, the Japan Pavilion is made up of four separate buildings that surround this kind of open area courtyard. And it's actually one of the more, um, one of the places in, in Epcot where you don't feel claustrophobic in, in the, uh, in the pavilion. Um, and the first thing I think most guests notice is the, uh, the towering blue pagoda. Uh, it's, I think it's five stories. It's a replica of the Horyuji temple. Uh, this leads to these ancient gardens atop the hill over by Katsura Grill that I think I think are the most relaxing and most peaceful place on on Disney property. You go back there, you go over the, across these wooden footbridges, and there's koi ponds and waterfalls. And I think it's just a great place to sit down and have some lunch outside in the open air uh, that most people just forget about. Most people walk right on by and like Mikey and don't even notice Maybe. it's there. The, uh, the the far rear of the pavilion features the White Heron Castle, and that's kind of modeled, uh, modeled after the 17th century built fortress that overlooks Himeji. Uh, it's, a, it's a traditional uh, Japanese castle, so it's got these white walls, these white stone walls that are built with tile roofs, the, the typical tile roof that you would think of when you see Japanese architecture. And inside there is the art gallery. Um, I know the last time I was there, they had uh, they had a really great gallery on uh, video games and animation, um, and mainly, I mean, what everyone's famous for is Mario. There was a lot of uh, a lot of artwork based on that animation, so it was it was pretty cool to go in there and see. Um, you spend a few minutes in there, and then finally make your way to Mitsukoshi Department Store. I think that is a one of the more uh, what what are the better places to just. I, it's just window shop. I think it's great to just go in there and look at all the stuff. You can get everything from a bonsai tree to a samurai sword to a pearl necklace. Now, hang on. Can I walk around Epcot with... <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> Sorry, that's a different kind of show. Checking, I'll be checking that out now. I mean, not, not for myself. I mean, if it's... Uh, now, yeah, well, this, this this sounds like like something perhaps Jason would have, you know, thought. Hey, this could add some value to the Japan Pavilion, you know. About mm-hmm. for a friend, I'm right, just, buddy? I'm just, I'm just saying. I'd, hey, I'd, I I get in line around. Happy ending I mean, massage there's parlor. There's a reason that the word pukaki exists. Don't fucking judge me, man. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, none of us need to Google the word bukkake. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. We I don't know, know if I is. can segue from that. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. I, I got a question, Scott. You're telling me that I can straight up buy a freaking samurai sword and walk around Epcot with it. 
No. Yes. They ship it home from Lightsaber. That shit cuts through steel. You buy it, it has to be shipped home. If you could actually buy a lightsaber at Disney World, <laughs> that would be the greatest day ever. But you're not going to buy a gun. I mean, Boba Fett is too much of a pussy to have a gun, so you're not going to be able to buy his gun. Oh, actually, anyway. all guns are removed from the parks now. Right, exactly, which I find ridiculous, but that's another that's another story. Um, I spent a year in Japan. Is that okay if I segue over here to, to my side? Okay, um... Like I spent, I spent some time in Japan, and and let me tell you what the Japanese people themselves are, the most honorable and respectful people I have ever met in my life. Um, tradition is solid with these guys. Um, the one thing about the Japanese pavilion is, um, well. Number one is every time we go to Epcot, we, we go ahead and we buy a pearl. They, you can pick a pearl there, right there in the department store. Um, you can pick your uh, oyster. They open it up. And that's when I say that uh, sunini itchy uh, to you, Mikey. That's where you count down, three, two, one. I think that's what three, two, one is. And then they go ahead and they open it up and they let you see your pearl and whatnot. Um, I think the pavilion itself does a phenomenal job of, of representing Japan itself. Um, and, and we keep going back to the department store, as in, um, and it is kind of a, a, a joke because it is a department store, but look, this is traditional Japanese stuff, anywhere from the, the Voltrons to the Pikachus, I mean, to the to Pokemons. My son went crazy because we told him to buy <laughs> something, and you know, he's got his gift cards. We walk in, and, and there's fucking Pokemon. He's like, fucking gold, man. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're at Disney, and you want to buy Pokemon shit? And he's like, well, do they sell it anywhere else in Disney? I'm like, no. Well, that's what he wanted. Um, the uh, with my time in Di- with my time in, in Japan, um, if you can if you can take their traditions and you can take what they have to offer you, because I'll tell you what, if you meet any Japanese person, a traditional Japanese person from Japan. And, and you and you want to know their traditions and you want to know their culture, um, I, I've always found it very warm response to that and a very uh, they, they love sharing that with you because in, in, like any family tradition, it's very it's, it's to the heart. You know what I mean? Um, that's all I got to say about it. Um, I, I know we were going to talk about what, Maybe a little change that we would do, but uh, but Tim, what, what do you think about the Japanese pavilion? Yeah, the, I, you know what they, the Japanese pavilion. I we, we love the Japanese pavilion. Um, it offers some of the best uh, photo ops around World Showcase. Uh, mainly, I mean the one that everybody you see where the you Tory have the, uh, the shot of the archway with the spaceship Earth behind it on the other side of the lagoon. The one thing, yes. The one thing to me that the the Japanese pavilion is missing is some kind of attraction or entertainment, something to keep you there. I mean, they do have the the Matsuriza drum troupe that comes out um, and performs, but the one thing I would change, I would I would add a an attraction to it, which I would um, do a Japanese oh, theater. The kabuki. There's space in between. No, not Kabuki. I don't think Kabuki would fit. Um, 
what I would do is put a, the, the space between the Japan Pavilion in Morocco to build a theater. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Ooh, I would do like I a, like the, it. The I like it. Um, J- Japanese puppet theater, Bumaku. Oh, I think that's brilliant, dude. I love that. That would that. fit perfectly yes. in Epcot. It'll get the kids attracted to it. It'll, you know, families will come and sit. Yeah. The average show for uh, Bumaku performance is ten minutes, so that'll work. And it also incorporates the um, the taiku drums, which is what the Matsuriza uh, drum troupe performs. So you can add that into the theater I as like well. That. Keep them around. And incorporate the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would. That's what I would it's do. Great for, for storytelling well, from their culture. Well, that's that's a very uh, very great great idea because you know that it's it's easy to get kids down there and they get bored because what are we going to do? Well, we're going to ride a ride. No, there's not really any rides. Okay, well we're going to go look at this temple, or we can go sit and watch the puppets and uh, you know right. yeah. But see, this puppet show—that's that's brilliant, Tim. Because the puppet show is that there's no other like it in the world. So if they ever see that again, that they're going to know that is a Japanese traditional puppet show, period. Right, and I remember as a kid, uh, we uh, at school we used to go to trips into the city to all the museums, and we went and saw a Japanese puppet oh. show. I think I maybe third or fourth grade, and it was entrancing with those giant wooden puppets and the performers are on stage. And then you have the narrator off to the side, telling you, uh, explaining the story to you, and then the music. I really like that edition. I think oh. that's a great live entertainment edition that, uh, and that the that the pavilion kind of lacks. I mean, they have the like you said, they have the drum corps, and you sit and you listen to it, but it's not as engaging as say the puppet show would be. I think that's a great edition. Good job, Tim. Adam, what was your uh, what would you what would you want to add to this pavilion or take away? Or... Well, the thing is, is that let's to be honest, you're going to Epcot. If there's no attraction except for a movie, a lot of people are not stopping to check this out at all. And I mean, I love the idea that Epcot was always supposed to be edutainment kind of situation. So I was thinking of doing something along the lines of a creation myth kind of attraction kind of thing. No, no, I love it. it I love this. I love this. You saw my face. I love this because the creation creation story of Japan is amazing. Yes. So I was thinking of like a boat ride. You know, it's Epcot creation myth kind of thing. It it could be a slow. It it brings in that entertainment. It brings in the culture. And I can go in. I broke it down by room. And nobody really wants to hear how it all breaks down. But it just made sense. I mean... If you know about the myth, it's basically two pretty much gods pretty much create this whole kind of thing and with a spear stab it into the earth and give birth to the islands of Japan and the deities. And it can either go either way as a slow attraction or you can speed it up because there is a point where one of the gods is actually being chased out of Hades or hell pretty much for trying to get his girlfriend back. So, I mean, there's just so much... My problem is is that it's not approachable. And I feel, yes, the store is great, but what do you learn from the Japanese culture from this kind of space? Sorry, what do you learn uh, from the again, Norway Mikey. culture from Frozen? You don't, and that's just it. You don't learn, it, learn anything. No. Hashtag. What exactly are we learning from the uh, hashtag? The not my, not my Norway. Attraction. You know, it, it, 
Well, I mean, but at the end the, of the day, if this gets a bullshit work out story, right, that you know, yeah, yeah, no way, Tokyo, and make it a Big Hero Six attraction, I guess. But at the end of the day, you know what? The old Nori attraction, the movie at the end that nobody watched, we actually watched it a few times, actually made me want to go to Norway. And to me, it was interesting. I, 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 I like the it. fact that you, if you want to make this a true world showcase, you have to not display the food, not display, you have to display the culture. It. A department store is kind of basic from any aspect. I can go to a department store and, and linking it back to that creation myth, linking it back to actually something cultural, whether it be a walkthrough exhibit or just anything, I think that would be the best way to go. I, I agree. I think you definitely, there's a lack of exhibition of Japanese culture at the Japanese pavilion. What we see is a art exhibit some buildings and yes i think the, the between the background music uh that you hear going on the uh the mitsuyaki drummers it's a it's a wonderful pavilion but it doesn't it yeah it doesn't tell you about japan it all right with that being all. said can i give my idea scott here's what i think i think we need to go back to a, a to a uh arena style and and, and it doesn't even gotta be, i mean get rid of the department store and put it in there uh, number one, I want uh, Geishi, Geishi, what are they, Geishi? How do you say that? Geisha? Geisha. Okay. Geisha? Geisha. I'm sorry, Geisha. geisha. I want, I want Geisha, geisha I want girls? traditional Geisha, and I want, and I want, hang on a second. Oh. <laughs> Two big things that are huge in Japan. Look, who, who, who's not going to come down to, to Disney World and say that I'm going to go sit down and eat a freaking hibachi dinner or whatever traditional Japanese dinner and watch actual world competing samurai wrestling. I mean that's huge. That's a huge thing in Japan. These guys are world or these guys are, are idolized over there. That was my idea. Put that in. Let's make it make it a contestant. Let's make it a uh, a contest. You see now the only problem I have with that is Geisha mm. or Geisha, however you say it, mm, might be a tough yeah. thing in Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean when you hear about the past of the and the true, like it's not a pretty history. It's not something that Japan hey, is going to want to focus on. We're talking tradition, <laughs> and I think they need to be honest about their tradition. Just yeah, like the American Indian is on this, though. <clears throat> See what's yeah, that's, that's that's another. That's another. Well, okay, all right. Norway just flushes the whole fucking conversation down the toilet. Pretty much, but I. You're going for honesty and and that, just like knowing what I know about Geisha, it's it's a really twisted, some twisted, fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) only to you perverts. I wasn't born back then. I mean, I may be an old fuck, but I'm not that old. Shit. (laughs) Like, if you're gonna make it good, that's what you need to do. Get rid of the the store. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, although store has to go. In a historical sense, it's the act. It's actually the only Western Hemisphere uh, branch of that department store. Oh, of course, of but course, they cater of to course. The American. I mean, right. I'm I'm sorry. If you want to have a Japanese, then just tell me what you're actually selling the Japanese people. Maybe not so much the Pokemon, the Voltron, all the stuff we're going for. Nintendo's no. not going to be allowed anymore. So, I mean, you're going to have to figure out something. 
and they could make that the size of the. Oh, you could, store. you could, you could definitely scale that exactly. back. Now, I will say, in the back part of the department store, is a wonderful sake bar. It's really good, and and you know, this is. <laughs> Whoa, yes. Whoa, 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 wait. Th- yeah. There's a bar back there. Yes. This is. I'm in. This is why. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm on this board. podcast to tell you about the bars you don't even know exist. There is a. <clears throat> there is a wonderful sake bar back there. He's a resident uh, alcoholic. And again, going back to what you said, Jason, learning about the traditions, learning about the culture. Ask them. Ask the server. What is sake? What? How is it made? And he will gladly tell you about, you know, not just not just Abu warm sake, sake cold sake, unfiltered <laughs> sake. It is a wonderful drink that I, uh, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I have not given it other than the credit it deserves. Other than oh, you go to hibachi and you get warm sake, which tastes. Awful. Oh, Awful. No, yeah. no, 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 it's sake really is good. The nastiest shit you can put in your mouth. No. And then you get the habu sake with a snake. No, in I love it. I love it. What are you people doing? And, that is just and, nasty. And especially the traditions no. of it. Like, <laughs> Jason, I'm sure you've been to a sake bar in Japan and they serve it to you in the wooden bowl and they overfill your, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. glass to show you uh, warm and inviting feelings and to bring prosperity. And that's, I think, a great element of the culture that people forget but you understand the more they pour the more you have to drink of that shit. i'll have yours i'll have yours <laughs> okay all right <laughs> here's to prosperity buddy so mikey yeah you've been silent Pretty you much. haven't even been in the pavilion <laughs> Walk how would you how would you get you in the pavilion what would get mikey weisenhunt fucking fire that's what's <laughs> that's what's gonna make me stop okay so so hear me out okay Nothing is more fun than kids and fire. So, Duh. I'm 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 kind I'm kind of I, stealing. <laughs> Wait, are we setting the kids in fire? Or? Tastes like chicken. Okay. I used now. I used to light matches in my closet at my house. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> Mikey, in the north we use pig shot. Well, buddy. I'm in the south, so we do other things with pigs, but. You got. Get them pearl necklaces. Well, (laughs) I'm borrowing a a, a page from Hollywood Studios. Uh, When we went down there back in 2014, one of the coolest things my kids did was the Jedi training thing. Okay, so I'm kind of borrowing from that, but that's not unheard of throughout Disney. I mean, uh, what is it? uh, Buzz Lightyear. You know, light ra- light year space ranger spin is pretty much the same thing as Midway Mania, and you go to Disneyland and you ride Indiana Jones. It's a carbon copy of the dinosaur ride, so it's not unheard of. Maybe you know, kind of crazy to dinosaur. be in two different parks. But hear me out. No kid likes to go down to World Showcase unless they're going to ride the Frozen attraction. They just don't want to be down there. Mom and dad are getting trashed. They're having to walk another mile all the way around it. Someone's looking at some Suchi, Nuchi, Wuchi, one, two, three pearls. You know, dad's climbing a freaking pyramid because he got trashed. (laughs) (laughs) So there needs to be something down there. And also, since World Showcase doesn't really open until nearly lunch anyway, um, this would kind of give a push to get maybe some, some traffic down there. So... My, my thought is um, 
there is uh, a, a legend, a myth, I don't know, a tradition in, in Japan. It's called the Miraculous Sword. And it's a sword that a hero found in the ass end of an eight-headed snake. Um, it wasn't even so much a hero so much as it was like a god or a demigod. But the snake, as legend has it, was eating this farmer's daughters. He had eight daughters. snake had eight heads. So, you know, snake got to eat. And when it came down to the seventh daughter, or the eighth daughter, uh, the farmer's like, I don't want her to die. And the, the god is like, tell you what, you give her to me, I'll kill the snake. The farmer's like, bullshit, prove it. Well, hero gets up in there, cuts the snake up into pieces after he gets drunk on sake, and uh, finds this big-ass sword in its tail. So it's called the Miraculous Sword, and it's also called this grass-cutting sword. So, you know, the... The backstory that I, I, I didn't I didn't fashion it I actually did the research and there's a backstory on it about a uh, a prince uh, that was given this sword by you know by his aunt who was a, a princess and uh, he was setting out to to quench the rebellion throughout the northeast uh, coast of Japan and along his uh, his travels he got um, basically uh, coerced into going off into the fields to do some hunting. And he was uh, turned turned out that his guide was a traitor and turned the uh, the rebels that that he was going to be out there. So they set fire in the grasses, and as the fire encroached on him, uh, he decided to start cutting the grass down around him with this sword. And he, lo and behold, the sword, whenever he would swing it, would actually cause the air, whatever direction it was it was blowing from, whatever direction the wind was blowing from, it would change to blow from his back to whatever direction the sword was being swung to. So he was able to not only put out the fire around him, cut off the rebels, start new fire, and use his sword to push that fire toward them, burn them alive, you know, because that's what you do to rebels. So that, that, that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the background behind what my attraction would be, you know, because, you know, the, everything has to have a story in Disney, and this is a, an actual story that exists in the Japanese culture, like back around 110 B.C., so my thought is you have this stage, it's a multi-level stage, and you have these kids that get up there in their little robes and they're, you know, learning how to do the whole sword fighting thing just like, like they do in, in the Jedi Training Academy, but they're more like going, hi, yeah, you know, more vocal, so it's going to stop people walking by and make them want to pay attention. And then you have this badass-looking samurai show up. You know, he's basically a... Uh, uh, an evil samurai. I, I did some research. There was a demon king uh, named Oba Nobunaga. Uh, you know, he could send this guy out to come steal this miraculous sword while these kids are being trained by other guards to do the. You know, long story short, shit goes down. The evil samurai makes the stage kind of come up on fire. And I'm talking like little foot high flames. So, like, you know, it's nothing major that would like, give a kid, you know, nightmares or something. But. The instructor use, grabs the sword, swings it to put out the fire. The kids run off to be, you know, kind of safe. And the, uh, the evil uh, samurai is able to, you know, take over some of the, some of the, the, I guess they have trainers there at the Jedi Training Academy that kind of work along with the guy that's mic'd up. So they have the same thing going on here. And they kind of take over the, they get taken over their minds by the, the samurai. And the, that's what the kids are doing. They're fighting against. But, you know, just something like that, some kind of big, loud, obnoxious stage show to get kids wanting to go down there, and there's fire, 
and there's a great story behind it. There's a lot of action with the sword fighting between the instructor and the samurai who leaves in this big burst of fire that's like six feet tall. It's uh, I if I'm walking around and I hear kids screaming in unison, you know, some uh, Japanese like you know fighting stuff, and uh, and by God, there's fire. I'm gonna stop and see who's getting torched. So <laughs> that's what I would do. I would uh, I would <laughs> I guess I would go redneck south and put you know <laughs> a stage and fire <laughs> and a big badass samurai with glowing green eyes which would basically be like their Darth Vader I guess so yeah it's a carbon copy of what's going on at at Hollywood Studios but shit if I wouldn't sign my kids up for it whether they wanted to or not (laughs) no and and I actually I actually (laughs) like that idea I think that a a glimpse into the samurai culture because the samurai culture is not just about martial arts and fighting it's it's much much deeper it's a way of life and I think a, a nice attraction based on that and showing kids that it's it's about uh, respect for not just yourself, your opponent, but also the world around you. I think that'd be a great idea to to find a way to incorporate samurai culture into the pavilion. Um, and and look, being a lawyer here, whew, we're talking massive massive liability. <laughs> but there's a way you, there's a way to do the pyrotechnics without. <laughs> coming close to endangering any of the little kids. Oh no, I can draw this out for you and it's perfectly safe. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think that's a great idea. I like that one. I like you it. You need a, lot. a couple of propane grills and, you know, yeah. gas burners. Hell I could rig this up in my front yard. <laughs> we know you could. <laughs> no, nah, it's Halloween, Easily. man. This Halloween. I'm gonna build myself a Next year, Christmas at the Weisenhunts. Uh, Outfit armor out of like milk jugs and spray paint, and I'll have I'll have this set up. My neighbor, he's a uh, a fireman, so if anything goes wrong, he can show up and issue citations. And I and I think I, I think there's a there's a lot to do in this pavilion. There's a lot that needs to be done. Um, and for my idea, I, I want to incorporate a ride because World Showcase lacks attractions that are going to draw the average person into yeah. the into the pavilion. One of the things I want to do and this has been thrown about over the years in three or four different forms is a and again, one of the things that Japan is famous for is the bullet train. They were the first to use a high-speed train around their country. And I think to incorporate a ride like this we would need to look over at Universal Studios. We borrow from we would borrow from the Hogwarts Express, the Harry Potter ride. Uh, guests would board uh, a carriage where you would go into, and there would be a window. And these windows are obviously uh, film screens. And your tour would start in modern day Tokyo. And as you exit the city, you you know you go past the daytime. You start in the daytime. You exit past the city. You go through. Uh, Kind of this panoramic view of the city, so that people can see what Tokyo actually looks like. I don't. I don't think a lot of Americans have any idea what Tokyo looks like. Um, and so, as we go through there, you go through the Yoyoji Park in uh, just outside of Tokyo in the springtime, with the cherry trees in blossom and the the beautiful pink flowers, into uh, Kotoku Inn, which has the bronze, the giant bronze Buddha that everybody knows when they see it, uh, and then. You go through the countryside. You go through the forest, and on 
these these transitions you could each go through these transitions that you would see through you know fast moving trees along you and uh along the window or you go through a tunnel and out of the tunnel you come and there's a beautiful view of mount fuji in the distance and um i i think a, a way to showcase the country itself not just the architecture that you see in the pavilion but to showcase the beauty that is japan um you know osaka castle uh Mount Fuji, the uh, bamboo forest of Arashiyama. There is so much beauty in the countryside that people would, that people wouldn't, would have, would have a want to go to Japan, to travel over to Japan, and might as well visit Tokyo Disney while you're there. I just think it's a, it's something that the, the, the pavilion needs, and there's so much room behind the pavilion, behind. Uh, you know, you could start in the castle and board in the castle and take your way around the back. And really, you don't need that much room. You need probably, you know, 3,000 feet worth of track, which you could do because there's two pads left and right of the Japanese pavilion that are completely unused. And this train can go, in actuality, go very slow around this track while making you feel like you're traveling at 150 miles an hour. Well, and to your point is, as the beauty of Japan, Japan is a, f I, I can't even describe how beautiful that country is. You know, the, the media doesn't give it any justice. Um, it is definitely a must-see country for anybody. They need to put that on their list, period. And to have, to have so, this, yeah, uh, I, you I, know, I this, like this ride with a, obviously there, there needs to be some sort of narration over it. <laughs> and the one person I want doing this narration, I think it was, um, uh, Adam's suggestion to have like a uh, uh, like a movie Ken Watanabe has to has to narrate this because that guy is that guy's a phenomenal actor I love him is that Dr. Ken? no 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 that's Dr. Ken Jong. No, yeah, he's Korean. Uh, no, he was uh, it's all the same no, to me that's Ken, Jong. Ken Watanabe was in uh, The Last Samurai which is a good film, apart from Tom Cruise's bad acting. He couldn't do a Japanese <laughs> accent to save his life. He was also, he was also in Inception and uh, Godzilla, yes. the 2014 Godzilla. Yeah, you lost me. Was he in Fast and Furious? Uh, yeah, I didn't see him. Batman Begins? Yeah, he was in Batman Begins. Just go with Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman for everything. Why not but James I, Hong? Just, I don't think he's Japanese. Hong is a Chinese yeah. name. He it? was Lopan. No clue who that is. I don't think he's Japanese. I didn't say he was. I just, you know. Yeah, I think he's Chinese. <laughs> 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 oh, right away, all of you just like, into his room. Well, I got you. He can, I'm sure he can do a Japanese right, accent. Yes, he is. He's that guy. <laughs> 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 but, but, you know what? Epcot for me, Epcot is my park. I it's my favorite park. I love Epcot. And to start off this series with an Epcot attraction is clutch to me. I mean, I I want so much for Epcot, and with Bob Chappick um, announcing that big things were going to happen to Epcot soon, I hope they go back to the edutainment portion of, of what it used to be because that's the Epcot I remember. That's the Epcot I, I do love. something with the interventions buildings because they're just kind of sitting there. Right. Yeah. 
and Avengers building. And we'll and we'll but certainly I we'll certainly touch upon a lot of these a lot of these different areas of yet. Epcot as we go forward with this series because this is a great way for us to put our personal touches on it. But also, I think a lot of the listeners are going to sit there and say, "Yeah, I like that. I want to see that happen." And you know, who knows? Maybe Bob Chappick or Iger will listen to this and say, "You know what? That's a good idea. Let's do that." Now, I just have to bring up my long-ago rumor that I heard that there was a rumor for a while going around that they were going to build hotels in some of those empty pad spaces and make it have their individual entry to Epcot. Now, how does everybody feel about that? I don't think it's going to go to that, Adam. I know that the DVC is going to go try yeah. with their, what was it, the Caribbean Beach yeah. one, where you can overlook I don't know if they're ever going to go to, like, Disneyland. What is that hotel in Disneyland Grand where you've got your uh, front Grand door right into the yeah. park? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. So do I. I have end. a hard time. Yeah. Just for the simple reason of the security checkpoints now getting into the park, I don't see how that would work. But, I mean, that, that was all a rumor that was put out a while ago that there was a chance of them building hotels on some of these properties, like to stay in a France pavilion or to stay in a Japanese pavilion would be kind of interesting if they kept true to the style, but I don't know how that would, they would do it, to be honest. I mean, I, what, I would be down. If I don't did. think that's a terrible See, idea. Uh, again, you're, t- you're, you're talking, the space is not, I don't think it's big enough for a hotel. I mean, you're, you're, the acreage you're talking in order to build a hotel and some sort of parking structure. I mean, yeah, there's there's these pads there. There are serious amounts of room, but the parking that goes along with the hotel, the infrastructure right. that goes along with the hotel. I mean, you look at the smallest hotel on Disney property, which is probably the probably the All Stars, and they're not they're no that no the All Stars are they're not they're not. I mean, you you look at any of the resorts, and you have acres and acres of parking spaces, and in order to in order to do that, there's there's no way because you've got that ring road that goes around the back of Epcot that's going to prevent any parking from from ever really happening. Right, but who's to say not to make it an exclusive? Like, who here wouldn't pay to stay in the Dream Suites? Uh-huh. Telling you, I, I probably would. I would be a contender. I mean, I'm not saying I could afford it, but I'm exactly. just saying it would definitely be on my radar. Where what would I save up for something? I mean, like look. That. I, mm-hmm. I, yes, I would absolutely. I'd rent out my DVC points for it. Well, and, but with the DVC, with the DVC building the Caribbean Beach, though, they're talking. Well, that one's gonna have right that there. one's gonna have to go over highway, and, and yeah, there would be a walking path, but it's gonna be a long walking path. Yeah. To add to, uh, I almost said MGM. It'll studios. always be MGM to me. And, yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, you look at it and it's like, and who's to say it has to be a full hotel? I mean, I would gladly stay there if it's maybe what? Get a little high-rise going in there? I agree. They're known for their skyline. And that was, and that was actually my, uh, the closing scene on, that, on my ride was to come back to Tokyo at night. Because there is, I mean, everybody knows New York skyline at night, but Tokyo skyline at night with the Rainbow Bridge... And the the Tokyo Tower lit up. Uh, This this pavilion has a lot of potential. It has some great potential. Disney does everything with sight lines in mind. 
they don't want to put anything that's going to take away from other Correct. sections of a park or this section of the world. So I don't know if a, uh, a Japanese-style high-rise is going to work for a hotel you know, in the park. No. Well, and that's, and that's why I think the pavilion itself, if you, when you go into the pavilion, um, next time you're there, go into the pavilion, stand in the middle of that courtyard, and just uh, the way that it's situated with the department store being two and a half stories, almost three stories, and the castle being pretty close to four stories high, you really feel enveloped in the country and the culture uh, when you go into that when you go into that pavilion. Um, I, I just think it's a it's it's a it's an underrated pavilion that it, with with some tweaks could be really great. It could be one of the better countries in World I, Showcase. I think you're absolutely right, and I and I, I, I hope that they, I like I said I I love Epcot, and I hope they do some great things with Epcot coming up soon. Well, once again, I'm going to give the cast members credit there. Go into the Japanese pavilion, meet oh, the Japanese guests that are over here, and 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 and, and you know, I, I mean, obviously, crowds. If crowds are heavy, they're not going to have time to visit with you. But just take note on on politeness and and honor and respect that they give you, and and give them that respect back. And I'll tell you what, it's a it's a great experience. Don't our last trip was uh, we went to uh, we had a dinner reservation for Teppanetto. It was the first time we ever ate there, and it was an awesome experience. The the hibachi chef that we had was fantastic. I can't tell you. He was, I can't tell you how many times we've made a reservation for Teppanado and have yet to follow through with it. We've it, it always it would always for us it would always make the initial cut, but then it would always get bumped for something else. But this year we decided to keep it, and it was it was well worth it. It was a great experience. I mean, it was definitely worth it. Could I get that yeah. kind of feel here? Probably. Right. Right. I'm not gonna lie. It, it, it it's typical. There's nothing amazing about it, but again, you're in Disney. You're gonna be more willing to talk to the person next to you. Right. At least I am. When I'm out right. in public, I don't talk to anybody. In Disney, I'll actually start a conversation. But it, 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 it's just, does it fit? Yes. They have some great specialty drinks. I don't remember <laughs> what I had to drink. But that it was. Me a good I think it was like something called a Tokyo Sunrise. I think you had. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. It, it was a fun time. They made a little mini on the hibachi. And it, it was just, yes. And it was just really nice. It was just really, everybody there was super friendly. And it, it was a little bit different of an experience, but the yeah. food was okay. It was hibachi. Now, one of the uh, you can't go wrong. one of the restaurants we have been to is the, uh, the Tokyo Dining. The dining, uh, the sit-down dining area inside the same, the same restaurant. But it's a set of tables that are closer to the World Showcase Lagoon. And on our, um, on my wife's and I's first anniversary trip to Disney World, we got a table right on the window about 9 o'clock. So we had about 15 minutes before uh, Illumination started. And my God, that was one of the best ways to watch Illuminations. While having sushi, uh, there, we had some wine. It was a phenomenal view of uh, of the World Showcase Lagoon and the entire and the entire show because they pipe in the music. 
you get to hear the music as it goes along. You hear the fireworks. You see everything. It's this big, this big long bay window that, or this big, these big long floor to ceiling windows that go across the front of the, uh, front of the restaurant. And it is a great way to watch World Showcase uh, Illuminations. Well, I want to thank everyone for uh, for listening to our first show. Uh, it's a you know this is a work in progress. We are we really are excited to do this, and we hope that you'll continue to listen, and we will continue to bring you uh, wonderful shows. We want to I want to take this time to to mention a couple things on the show. Um, one is actually Mikey's T-shirt company. Mikey has a T Public page that has phenomenal T-shirts. I own I can't even tell you how many of his designs i think all but like two of them you're keeping me in business scott (laughs) i know (laughs) well you're keeping me t-shirt friendly i have to i actually have to go upstairs and clean out a bunch of the old t-shirts that i don't wear anymore uh to make way for some of your new designs the make epcot great again shirt phenomenal design i get that's a great shirt i own that's what we're doing right now making epcot great again i get i get comments on that everywhere i go it's gonna be huge. Uh, yes. the, the Uncle Walt shirt is one of my favorites. It, it, go to uh, www.themagicalmeltdown.com. You'll find designs and links to his T Public site. One of them is my favorite shirt, the Uncle Walt. I wore it to the Disney store here in the mall in New Jersey, and I cannot tell you how many cast members came up to me and asked me about my shirt, where I got it. It is a phenomenal shirt. You've seen people like Neil Patrick Harris wear it. Uh, it is it is a great design that I think is a great conversation starter while you're at Disney or while you're in just anywhere. Um, so now, go to, check. To be fair, Scott, he, he didn't wear my shirt. No, no, <laughs> I he just didn't. modeled mine after a shirt he was caught wearing on Instagram. But you know what? He may eventually be wearing a Mikey Wise. You know what? I'll, I'll tweet him out. We'll uh, we'll get it. We'll get a shirt on MPH's You're body. Get in on the ground floor before <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris well, starts wearing the shirts. That that is going to be pinned at the top of yes. our uh, three sheets page on Facebook. Uh, that mm-hmm. that'll be pinned up there. So, and listen, let's uh, Scott the go for let's it. Talk about Mikey, and I want to get personal here, Mikey, and I, and I hope I'm not stepping on something personal here. Listen, Mikey's an upstanding guy, and I've gotten to know him very personal over the last year or so um and, and and being a dad mikey is um and mikey if i'm getting too personal just stop me here My, uh, M- mikey has uh, an incredible uh son his name is boston and boston is battling cancer and let me tell you what boston is um he has been uh, a trooper he has uh he has had more obstacles put in his way battling his cancer but um you know being a, a dad, uh, Mikey gets wore down, but he's got a sense of humor that, that keeps on trucking. Listen, I'm going to tell you guys, this T-shirt, when you buy a T-shirt, 100% of this is going towards Mikey because let me tell you about those cancer bills. And this isn't, I'm not trying to, to, to be a bleeding heart podcast here. This is facts because Mikey's a friend of mine. And, and any all this goes to Mikey because I can't even imagine what this is costing his family right now. So keep that in mind while you're scrolling through there that this is going for something that is genuinely a good thing. Thank and, you. And I'm just going to leave if it If the least that. you can do to help this guy out is buy a t-shirt, everyone wins. You get a great t-shirt. He gets a, he gets a good portion of the, of the money that, that you buy from that t-shirt. And, you know, what's better to help out our good buddy Mikey? 
I mean, really, he is he's a wonderful person. Like I've said, in the last in the last show that you've listened to, you would not have imagined what he's going through, and uh, we all tip our hats to him every day. And when you yes. find that yes. shirt, yes. take a picture of it. I want to see it on the Facebook. Post it on. I, yes. I want to see that. Post that. And they're great. They're Post great the shirts. They're I great designs. See that, guys. Mikey does a phenomenal job designing the shirts. They're, they're just they're great shirts. They're just awesome. They're, they're yeah, f- make, and put it on our Instagram. Tag us in it. Three Sheets Podcast yes, on Instagram. Absolutely. Let us know. Uh, you know, if you wear it to Disney and you got a cast member hitting you up about it, that that's you know. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, I love that, uh, you know, every shirt that, that I sell or even coffee mugs, uh, you know, I, I get a chunk of it. And that, that helps us out with uh, with our, you know, our our financial side of it. But at the same time, as a uh, as an artist, which I use that term loosely, um, it I get a kick out of seeing seeing folks wearing it and, you know, hearing uh, say, hey, that's a really cool Dole Whip shirt. Where did you get that? And then you can say, oh, www.themagicalmeltdown.com. And you can uh, you can read my blog, which I update very infrequently. But I always update it with the new T-shirt designs. And uh, and so there's a few that we want to order for our upcoming April trip. I've got to get my I got to get my T-shirt orders in on that one too because I've got I've got definitely wearing the Uncle Walt one. Definitely wearing the makeup got great again. Um, that's my best seller. I'm, that's like still number one <laughs> seller is make Epcot great again. Every every time I wear that, my son's like, Spaceship Earth has hair. <laughs> <laughs> so not just hair; it has orange. It has orange hair. So go over to themagicalmeltdown.com. www.themagicalmeltdown.com. You'll find his designs. You'll find his links to the T Public site. Go out and order some shirts. Um, Oh, we also need to talk about our good friend over on the other side of the network. You're right. You're right. If you enjoy this podcast and if you enjoy Disney-related programming, go check out Kevin Kessler's Two Men in the Mouse. It's a great podcast. It's actually how we all met. We all uh, listened to the show, and we decided, hey, let's uh, let's the five of us get in get in there and talk about Disney ourselves. So go check him out at twomenandthemouse.com. Search. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podomatic. Um, anywhere you get your... Uh, your iTunes feeds from. But I want to thank you guys all for joining us this week on Three Sheets to the Mouse. Uh, you can follow us, like we've said, on Instagram. We have an Instagram. It's three at Three Sheets Podcast. It's also our Twitter handle, at Three Sheets Podcast. Uh, but if you really want to interact with us, join our Facebook group. Go over to facebook.com slash groups slash three, the number, sheets, three sheets. You will find us there and your fellow uh, Three Sheets listeners and adventurers. Post pictures. Join the Three Sheets Nation. Let's get out there and let's show us show us what you're doing. Show us what you're drinking. Uh, right now, I've got a Yards uh, Brawler. What are you drinking, Jason? I got a Polish beer. Okasam. Tim, I see a I see a Mickey glass. What do you got in that glass? It's, a, it's an AP it's an glass. Empty glass huh? But I was drinking Thanks. McCullen. And then I switched to some bullet bourbon out of my I dream of genie. Fuck it. What do you, what do you, what do you call this thing? Like a... it's a, it's a, you know you're rich when you gotta pour your shit into a bottle. 
It's a... <laughs> it's, listen, it's actually an antique. It belonged to Adam's yeah. grandmother. It's a crystal like it. it's a, that I, I keep my bourbon It's in. a decanter, you philistine. Well, you die, oh I would like for you to do the same shit. Blame the Phoenicians. Same shit. Uh, Mikey, what do you well, got going there? You no, know, I'm not as as highfalutin as you you guys are. I've got the 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 choice of all California beer drinkers, the Rockdale Light, because I'm watching nice. my figure. Yes, I've got it in my Yeti koozie, so I've got a uh, a case of beer that costs less than the koozie I'm putting it in. <laughs> <laughs> and your your Yeti koozie probably costs Adam's more than my koozie. <laughs> Now he's yeah. he's using the word decanter because he just learned it. Adam, what do you got in there? Well, I got the lemongrass luau from Kona Brewing, which you can find. I think you can. I think you can find that at the Polynesian Resort. It's I know you can seasonal, find. So it might not be around. It's seasonal, but it, it you it's can find it. You can find what I had earlier, the longboard lager. That you can find at the uh, at the Polynesian. But uh, go over to facebook.com slash group slash three sheets. You'll um, let us know what you're drinking. Let us know what you're drinking in the parks. Go to the go to the parks. Snap a photo of you having your lapu lapu, and uh, and let us know what you're up to. Um, so guys, Jason, any closing remarks? Be happy, and uh, I'll I'll tell you this. Um... Every time we leave our vacation, I always do the last check in the room, and it's a, a something that I do as a male. I just go, and I don't want to be male chauvinist, but as dad, because mom's holding the kids, I go on and do a last check of the room. As I'm leaving the room, I always turn around every single trip, and I say, Walt, wherever you are, thank you. And I'm just going to Adam, let me hear your closing remarks. I can't beat that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> There's no way, so... Thanks for sticking with us. Look forward to hearing you from you all. He's speaking in cursive. <laughs> I am I'm pretty much speaking in cursive at this point. There's your tagline, speaking in cursive. Mikey, take us away. Oh man, this is a this is a hoot. I'm hoping we get a lot of uh, a lot of folks following us. I hope we get a lot of photographs on our. Uh, Instagram and, and on Facebook because we, we, we really want to interact with everybody and send news. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, that wasn't my voice that said that. <laughs> Just to be clear, you won't turn them But down. you will welcome them. <laughs> oh, six months later. <laughs> Tim. You know what, from uh, five guys who, in theory, would maybe not, people would think would not get along in the real world, but we do. Uh, we just, from the train wreck of our first episode, we hope you stick around, because it's going to get better from here. And uh, just stick with us and Peace, brother. That's stay right. Disney. That's right. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you for your time, this time, and until next time, so long for just a while. That's it, right. guys. I think that we did awesome. it. Awesome. That's I'm going to try to keep That's a wrap. Gamer problem going on. Welcome. And thank you.